0: Welcome in to Lockdown Blackhawks for Tuesday, December 17th, 2019. It's episode 56 of Lockdown Blackhawks here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. My name is Jay Zawoski. Today, as you know, is Talk Back Tuesday. If you want to get in line for next episode, send those voicemails, 708-653-0572. Email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. Send a tweet to at LO underscore Blackhawks. There you can follow my personal account at JayZawaski670 and my Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast new episode coming out Tuesday night. So later tonight, there'll be a new episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The book is done. I finished it on Monday. Very excited. I feel like the weight of the world is off my shoulders. And the second to last chapter I did in the book was about Bill and Arthur Wirtz, And it was the biggest grind Of all the stuff I did, of the entire book, it was a chapter that was the most difficult. It required the most research and cross-checking, you know, my facts, my dates, everything. And I said when I finished the chapter, it was like one last kick in the nuts from Bill Wertz, just getting back at me in the afterlife of saying, you know what, you're writing this book, screw you, I'm going to make my chapter extra hard on you, just so you remember what it was like when I was around. So that's how it felt, but it's over. I'm glad it's over. Before we get to the Talk Back Tuesday segment, big Blackhawks news item uh, on Monday afternoon. 5.30 p.m. The Hawks send an email, says statements from Chicago Blackhawks and assistant coach Mark Crawford. Here's the statement from the Blackhawks. The Chicago Blackhawks, and independent legal counsel, conducted a thorough review of assistant Mark Crawford in response to allegations of misconduct in previous coaching positions. During this process, we engaged with many of Mark's former players, colleagues, and executive management. We do not condone his previous behavior. Through our review, we confirmed that Mark proactively sought professional counseling to work to improve and become a better communicator, person, and coach. We learned that Mark began counseling in 2010 and he has continued therapy on a regular basis since. We believe that Mark has learned from his past actions and is committed to striving to reform himself and evolve personally and professionally over the last decade. We have experienced no incidents during Mark's coaching tenure with the Chicago Blackhawks. We have determined that Mark will remain suspended from team activities until January 2nd, 2020, at which time he will resume his assistant coaching duties Subject to his continued compliance with his contractual obligations and team expectations. In addition, he will continue with his counseling moving forward. We will have no further comment. Comment here from Mark Crawford. Thank you for the opportunity to share my comments. It was important for me to respect the process required by the Chicago Blackhawks and the ongoing important discussions being had by players and the National Hockey League. This is why I'm sharing my thoughts at this time. Recently, allegations have surfaced about my conduct earlier in my coaching career. Players like Sean Avery, Harold Druken, Patrick O'Sullivan, and Brent Sopel have had the strength to publicly come forward, and I am deeply sorry for hurting them. I offer my sincere apologies for my past behavior. I got into coaching to help people. And to think that my actions in any way cause harm to even one player fills me with tremendous regret and disappointment in myself. I use unacceptable language and conduct towards players in hopes of motivating them and sometimes went too far. As I deeply regret this behavior, I have worked hard over the last decade to improve both myself and my coaching style. I have made sincere efforts to address my inappropriate conduct with the individuals involved as well as the team at large. I have regularly engaged in counseling over the last decade where I have faced how traumatic my behavior was towards others. I learned new ways of expressing and managing my emotions. I take full responsibilities for my actions. Moving forward, I will continue to improve myself, to listen to those that I may have hurt, and learn from their experiences. My goal is to approach all players, past and present, with empathy and understanding, My hope as a coach and person is to create environments of dignity and respect. I sincerely want to make our game better for everyone. I want to encourage anyone who may have been impacted by me to reach out so we may continue this dialogue. There is an important discussion happening in hockey right now. I am and will continue to be part of the solution moving forward. These conversations will set the course for future generations. I commit to being sensitive to the process and most of all, listening to individual perspectives and feelings. So there are the statements from Mark Crawford and from the Chicago Blackhawks. And I think they handled this beautifully. The Hawks clearly took their time. They did the research. They went and found out, they went and talked to people. Uh, and I have no reason to believe they have not and did not do these things. They don't have any sort of long-term commitment to Mark Crawford. If they wanted to move on from Mark Crawford, they absolutely could. They've already got Thomas Mattel. They've got Sheldon Brookbank. They've got it covered. If they need to bring in a third assistant coach, they can certainly do it. So I believe him. The other thing, Mark Crawford's statement, I very much applaud it. As a advocate and champion of the powers of therapy, I respect what Mark Crawford said. I respect that he had the nerve to come out and talk about it. I have changed myself by going to therapy. I've changed the way I handle my day-to-day relationships, my marriages, how I handle my own self-esteem, how I handle criticism from others, how I criticize others. Therapy is a very valuable thing. I will, I will sing to the mountaintops my love and my belief in therapy. And the fact that Mark Crawford, 10 years ago, was able to identify in himself something that needed to change, I applaud him. And I applaud the fact that he had the bravery to come out and talk about it. I applaud the fact that he owned the mistakes he made. He could have denied it. He could have said, these stories are overblown. Or, oh, you know, it's a product of time. It's how the game was back then. No. Mark Crawford flat out owned his mistakes, admitted they were wrong, and said that he was aware of them and has been working on them for 10 years. So I fully applaud what Mark Crawford did. I think the Blackhawks have handled this well. The only question I have is why are they waiting till January 2nd to bring him back? It's just kind of seems like an arbitrary date. Um but other than that, I think it's great. I think they they handled this very well. And people are people make mistakes. I you know I don't want to get into like a whole cancel culture thing. I think there are certain things that are cancel worthy. Harvey Weinstein, cancel worthy. Louis C.K. cancel worthy, right? Sexual assaults, abuse, child neglect, whatever—those sort of things. You have you had fame, and now you no longer deserve it. Okay, I think that there is. I you know I I don't I never really want to get political on this show, and and this isn't really politics, but it's more emotional and it's more about life. And I think that this sort of this story, this Mark Robert story, sort of calls for it. I think that a lot of people, most people are a product of their environments and you're raised a certain way. You're raised with a certain set of values and the adult you become is often representative of that environment in which you grew up. Now, as an adult, some people can recognize what they're doing as wrong and fix it. That sounds like what Mark Crawford has done. I grew up in a very privileged life, in a very privileged neighborhood. I grew up in Oakland, Illinois, and I didn't know anyone that didn't look like me. And I worked hard as an adult to try to learn and try to understand and try to put myself in the shoes of other people, of different people. And doing that has made me a better person. And therapy has been a part of my self-improvement as a person in general. So Kudos to Mark Crawford. Kudos to the Blackhawks for how they handled this. I think they did a really fine job at the whole thing. Now let's get to Talk Back Tuesday. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right. It is Talk Back Tuesday. Always send a voicemail, 708-653-0572, an email, lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com, or a tweet at LO underscore Blackhawks. Let's start the show with a voicemail here from Dale.
1: Jay, Dale in McKinley Park. Mark Bergeron, Black Hawk legend. Mark Bergevin. Um recently was in town quite a bit, as reported. Do you think there's any chance that he was here, potentially interviewing? Uh, the GM, given his connections to the organization, you know, probably not with Sam, but in, in the interview room. But I've just, that just occurred to me. I thought if there was an off chance of that, because he's kind of on the hot seat. Anyway, uh, good to see the Hawks have a bounce back Sunday and, um, you know, JFC and Bowman live another day. Uh, and I'm fine with fighting in the game. I still think it has a place. Thanks. Love the show. Bye.
0: <laughs> Dale, thank you for the voicemail. I'm not uh, going to completely dismiss the thought that the Hawks could be talking to another GM. Uh, I don't have any inside knowledge of that, but these sort of things happen all the time. I think if Mark Bergevin was among them, they wouldn't be so obvious about it. He wouldn't just be around the team, Um, especially considering he's currently employed in Montreal. So uh, I'm going to say no on Mark Bergevin. It doesn't mean, though, that maybe, just maybe, they're not talking to someone else behind the scenes trying to get some viewers out, trying to see what's available. Remember how the whole thing went down with Joel Quenville, where, oh, he was let go by St. Louis, and then, oh, we're going to hire you as an advisor and, you know, see what happens. Mm, you know, I, I don't want to – I'm not going to stoke the flames. I don't know anything, but all of a sudden, Chris Chelios left Detroit from his front office job. I don't know. Maybe, he'd, maybe that's something Chris Chelios would be interested in. Probably not, but maybe. I said before, I think if if Stan Bowman gets fired, his replacement is Al McIsaac, which is probably just the same thing. McIsaac is one of McDonough's right-hand men. He's been on the job for a long time, but if I had to pick who Bowman's mo- most likely successor would be, it would be Al McIsaac. Just my two cents. All right, first email of the show comes from John in the Northwest Suburbs. He says, do you still think the Hawks have any chance of winning another cup with Kane, Keith, Taves, and Seabrook? No, I don't. And do you think if they bring in a new GM and coach, will McDonough and the marketing side allow these four above to be traded if the Hawks can do it? I do think that they're starting to realize they have to be, right? They're starting to realize that the window is shut on this Blackhawks team, and We've talked all season about potentially them getting a playoff spot or, you know, who knows, maybe they get hot and ride a hot goalie into a playoff series win, right? Best case scenario, there's no way this team's a Stanley Cup contender. There's not. And the problem is, even if they wanted to move on from these guys, it's almost impossible because the deals for the players that still have something to give namely Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, are $10.5 million each. Patrick Kane is still worth that money. Jonathan Taves is not. That's a fact. But how many teams have the sort of cap space to take on a Patrick Kane salary? And if they don't, they'd have to move out salaries to bring him in, and those salaries would probably be cost- prohibitive for the Blackhawks it wouldn't solve their problem right they'd have to take on another high salary contract because it's not going to be a young player or a prospect it just is kind of a messy thing I don't see a lot of good matches for this so it feels like the Hawks are just going to have to sort of ride this out and hope that the young guys they have on the roster Kirby Doc, Adam Boquist you know to a lesser extent Dennis Gilbert Ian Mitchell next year Dylan Secura that that some of these guys develop into the next phase of Blackhawks' core. I think you've already got two members, Alex DeBrincat and Dylan Strom, but those two can't be your number one and your number two. I think Kirby Doc has to develop into a legit number one center, like a perennial all-star type center for us to start talking about a second, not dynasty, but a second group ready to win and a second core of players that's ready to compete for a long time. I'm not sure if the leader of that core Is in the organization yet i hope he is i hope it's i hope it's kirby doc but i don't know that for sure next email comes from ticked off blackhawks fan in sitka alaska home of coach mike sitka i'm sorry why did i do that that was so bad anyway he said hey jay i need to vent my feelings on the blackhawks and have a few questions in the meantime first off watching this team is becoming increasingly boring yes they are a boring ass team to watch he continues it's hard to watch a team that consistently gets outshot and plays with little poise and energy. Second off, I was a big fan of Bowman's recent recent moves and free agent acquisitions. However, it becomes more and more apparent that the top heavy contracts on this team are absolutely demolishing their depth. How much losing will it take for the Blackhawks brass to finally realize that this team needs a roster blowup? I feel that many fans, including myself, are ready for them to commit to a total rebuild ticked off fan it's sort of what I just said I think a lot of people are ready for that I'm certainly ready for it and as much as I think that maybe just maybe they can turn this around and sneak into the playoffs I'm ready to rebuild now give me two or three really bad years where you're losing with this young core of players help them grow on a job look Taves and Kane came in and were great right away that's very rare It doesn't typically happen that way, but they already had Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook who are several seasons into their career. They had time to develop and to become steady NHL players, and they all grew together. Taves, Kane, Keith, Seabrook all grew together. Then they brought in Marion Hossa, Nicholas Jalmerson developed, and so on and so on, and it was the perfect storm of talent. That's hard to pull off. It's hard to do. It's hard to duplicate, and now they're going to have to wait till all these old contracts expire before they can truly consider bringing in a difference maker as a free agent. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Right back to the voicemails we go. at 708-653-0572. If you want to leave one of your own, here is Sean. Hey, Jay, this is Sean
1: in Yarmouth, Maine. I just read an article on the, in the Chicago Tribune by uh, Jimmy Greenfield. It was published uh, December 15th. It's titled, Why Can't the Blackhawks Be Fixed This Season? He brings up uh, a really good point, something that's been bugging me for a long time, and that is why are teams such as the Bruins, the Lightning, and the Penguins, who were competing at the highest level of the Stanley Cup playoffs the same time the, the Blackhawks were, why aren't they still competitive or why aren't the Blackhawks? Why are they still competitive and why aren't the Blackhawks competitive anymore? Um, if you have to ask me, it's Stan Bowman. I'm shocked. He still has his job. Anyway, it, I don't think it's a, this is something you've ever discussed before. So I thought, you know, I read that and I'm like, yeah, I want to bring this up and get your thoughts. All right. Thanks. And love the show. Talk to you later. Bye.
0: That's a really good question, Sean. I, I really enjoyed that question. Thank you for asking it. And it, it, it brings up a good point. And I think the answer, and Sean nailed it, it's Stan Bowman. For those of you that listen to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast for all the years it's been on, my biggest criticism of Bowman is that he gives everybody everything. You get the no trade clause, you get the market value or higher contract, and you get the term. You can't give everybody everything. That's why the Hawks are in this bad shape. Looking at the Boston Bruins payroll right now on capfriendly.com, the absolute authority for contracts. They do not have a single player on their team making over $10 million. They don't have a single player on their team making over $9 million. They don't have a single player on their team making over $8 million. The highest paid player. On the Boston Bruins is David Krejci at seven point two five million. Patrice Bergeron, who is constantly compared to Jonathan Taves, makes six point eight seven five million. That's almost four million dollars less than Jonathan Taves. David Pasternak makes six point six. Brad Marchand makes six point one. This is the difference, and yeah. Krejci, and Bergeron, and Marchand, and and David Backus all have no movement clauses. So does Tori Krug, but he makes 5.25. So does Zidane Chara, but he makes 2 million. That's the difference. It's those extra millions, and those extra years, and all those considerations that Sam Bowman gives his players, and it's great, and it makes them happy here, but it's a bad formula for sustained success a great example is Marcus Kruger. When Stan Bowman's he he kept signing Kruger to short-term deals. And I want to go visit the page so I can revisit the numbers exactly. He had uh he, so he made 7 735,000 his first 3 years. Up for a contract, restricted free agent, and Bowman says, "You know what? We're a little cap strapped. Can I give you a uh, a cheaper contract. Does it? 1.287 for two years. Then 2015-16, another RFA year. Bowman again says, you know what, Marcus? We're a little bit strapped for money. I'm going to give you 1.5. Keeping in mind, he's a fourth line center. That's what Marcus Kruger is. It's what he's always been. To say thank you to Marcus Kruger, he gives him a fourth line center, three million dollars that is how you screw your team there's no way Marcus Kruger was ever worth three million dollars and yeah he was the best fourth line center in hockey but guess what for a million bucks I'm willing to pay somebody else to do it and maybe not be as effective but still be pretty damn effective at it It's little moves like that that have gotten the Blackhawks into the position they're in now. And it's going to be very difficult for them to climb out if they even can. Realistically, the Blackhawks' only way out of their salary cap problems could be the contracts simply expiring. And that's a scary thought. Because you see how bad the team is now with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves still having good hockey left in them? After this year, Kane and Taves have three years left at $10.5 million. Brent Seabrook, after this season, has four years left at 6.875. Four more years of Brent Seabrook. After this season, you've got three more of Duncan Keith, but that's 5.5. You can live with that because he's a... Good and still reasonable player. But three years from now, Duncan Keith's going to be 39 years old. These are the things. These are the issues. This is why the Hawks are in trouble cap-wise all the damn time. Next email here comes from Travis. He says, I think this team is pretty close to turning the corner. I'll give you my best example. The Nylander turnover in the Blues game sucked. But early in the season, he would have back-checked and been in position to grab the loose puck before the other team. I like that they're in a position to win most of their games. Maybe it's a sign of the hockey times. Most games are competitive around the league. That could be coloring the way I look at things. Yeah, Travis, I feel what you're saying, man. Like, now and again, it feels like, okay, they're, they're going to be fine. They're going to figure it out. They're going to get healthy. They're going to be okay. And then you see a third period like you saw against the Blues, and you're like, damn, this team sucks. And there's no real hope for them to not suck. You know, so it's, it's. I call, yesterday I called it a roller coaster and that is so accurate. That's absolutely what the season has been. And hopefully, you know, they've got three games this week. Wednesday against Colorado. Ugh. Thursday against Winnipeg. Saturday again against Colorado. Then it's New Jersey on Monday and the, the Islanders on the 27th. By the way, if you missed it, the New Jersey Devils traded Taylor Hall to the Arizona Coyotes. So, big trade in the NHL on Monday. Taylor Hall is now a is an Arizona Coyote. And if the Hawks fall out of things, that might be the team I adopt for the playoffs. I kind of like them. Big fan of what they do. I'm a longtime Oliver Ekman Larson guy. Anyway, next email comes from Ed Marut. He says, this team has obvious flaws from its lack of good defensemen to small amount of forwards that can actually score. We need to improve both, but how? I love Saad this year, but for the money he makes, he needs to score more. Bottom line, he could be a great third-line addition for a playoff team making a run, but is that the right trade? And do you put trust in Stan at this point to make the correct move? See, that's the big question to me, is if the Hawks truly feel... The word hot seat is thrown around a lot, right? Like, oh, if he has a bad year, he can be on the hot seat. Yeah, fine. It's used a lot. But if, if the Blackhawks truly are starting to have their doubts about Stan Bowman, I don't know how much power they're going to give him to make a major move. I think Brandon Saad is an absolute consideration to trade. Look, if we're all happy with a rebuild, I know Saad's been really good this year. But if you can get something for him, some picks, even if it's just a $6 million of cap relief, go for it. You're gonna you're gonna want to sign Dylan strom long term it'll be about that number six million that that solves a lot of problems and yet your team takes a hit they're not as competitive as they've been there's no doubt but it frees up six million dollars of cap space and it starts the movement towards the future right which is I think we can all sort of agree at this point it's probably time to do let's go back to the voicemails next up is Al hey Jay this is Al in the loop my question is in regards to coaching I know you called for Jeremy Colleton's job earlier in the season before his ivory tower meeting and right after that we saw a slight resurgence in play and I'm just wondering with the ups and downs since then do you see the Blackhawks moving on from Colleton before this year's up and do you see them moving on from Colleton and not Bowman Al thanks for the voicemail I'm not sure if you can move on from Cowton and not Bowman. And with that in mind, I think whatever happens is going to happen this offseason. I can't see them. Well, let's think about this. If McIsaac is truly the guy, if Al McIsaac is going to be the guy they replace Stan Bowman with, then they probably could do it in season, right? Because he's already there. He already knows the lay of the land. For those that don't know, he is the senior VP of hockey operations for the Blackhawks right now. He looks like Champ kind from Anchorman. You've probably seen him in the background of photos or walking around United Center. The guy that looks like Champ, that's Al McIsaac. That's probably your next GM of the Blackhawks. So if they want to fire Bowman in season, I don't think, first of all, I don't think they do that without firing Cowlett. And as I'm sort of talking through this, the January 2nd thing for Mark Crawford is interesting. Are they just trying to get through the holidays with Cowlitton, see how it goes, and then once Crawford's ready to come back, would they be willing to pull the trigger early in January and make that move? So again, the Hawks play the 27th, the 29th, the 31st. Then their first game in January is the second in Vancouver. That's the day Mark Crawford will return. After that game, they've got two days off. Then they play at home against Detroit on the 5th. If they wanted to make a move, that could be the timing. I just think it's going to be really hard. And what I'm saying is that Crawford would take over for Cowan. I don't know if I made that clear. But it's kind of tough to have this investigation and then all of a sudden name the guy head coach. Maybe that's why. They're letting the suspension hang a little bit. Again, this is all speculation. I don't know anything. When I know something, I'll make sure I tell you this is something I know. This is not something I know. This is just my mind sort of working through. Because when I saw that January 2nd date for Crawford, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, what's the point of waiting? Just If if you've investigated and everything's fine, just bring it back now. I don't know. We'll see. We will find out sooner than later. Next voicemail comes from Carter.
1: Hey, Jay, this
0: is Carter. Uh, in light of the Hawks' increasingly frustrating and depressing uh, current situation, I was hoping to call in with a bit of a lighter, happier topic. Uh, so uh, I would love to know who your favorite Hawks player is from the modern Cup era. Obviously all fantastic, great Options uh, can't go wrong, um, but I would love to know who your favorite player is and why. Thank you so much, Jay Carter. Thanks for the voicemail. That is a really tough question because there's a lot of things to consider. Um, I think my favorite hawk of the era was Marion Hosa. That's tough for me to say because he wasn't developed here and he wasn't part of like the resurgence and the growth. Boy, if we're just talking about the cup, we're just talking about those years and we're forgetting about drop-offs, we're forgetting about contracts, we're forgetting about everything else, I'm going to give it to Brent Seabrook. I watched him develop from his first days as a rookie. I had hoped that he was going to be great. I saw him struggle early in his career and then become one of the best all-around defensemen in the game. He scored some enormous goals for the Blackhawks. He had some enormous moments in his career. That Detroit series in 2013... Maybe what solidified it for me, not just winning game seven in overtime, but going into the penalty box, telling Jonathan Taves basically to pull his head out of his ass because if they're going to win the Stanley Cup, they need him. Brent Seabrook has been the leader of this team since hell, since before it became a team. So that he's going to get my vote. Favorite Blackhawk of the dynasty era is Brent Seabrook. That's my guy. That was also the first jersey. Of the dynasty era, I bought. I have a Brent Seabrook jersey for my friends at Triple Threat Sports. Check them out. Good place. All right. Last email from Colin from Wheaton. He says, You've been talking a lot recently about the Hawks possibly dealing Seabrook to another team, speak of the devil, and getting something in return. And I agree. I was just wondering who would even want an aging defenseman like Seabrook. Don't get me wrong. I love the guy, but I just think his body is not able to do what our defense needs. Well, if you're going to trade Brent Seabrook, you're not getting much back at all for him because you're basically paying someone to take him off your hands. In fact, it might be one of those deals where you're like, "Here's Brent Seabrook and Dylan Secura for uh a number a third round pick." Right? Like th- it's not going to be anything that's going to turn the franchise around by any means. If Brent Seabrook is traded, It is simply to get his number off the book and to free up his roster spot for Ian Mitchell next year or for a full-time spot for Dennis Gilbert or whatever they envision happening with that spot. Moving Brent Seabrook, of all the guys in this veteran core, I think he has the least trade value because he has the most years left and he's the worst remaining of the four as far as ability to play goes. So... If you're trading him, if you're able to get Brent Seabrook to agree to leave, A, it's probably going to cost you a prospect to make it happen, and B, you're going to get not much back aside from a mid-round pick. All right, another great edition of Lockdown Blackhawks Talk Back Tuesday. Thank you all so much for, for participating, for chiming in with your great questions. Very much appreciate it. I will talk to you on Wednesday. We will preview the game against the Colorado Avalanche. It's Alex DeBrinkett's birthday on wednesday he will be 22 years old on wednesday when the blackhawks face off against the colorado avalanche let's hope they can get an unexpected win and build some momentum before the christmas break starts on christmas eve until then this is jay zawoski signing off lockdown blackhawks part of the lockdown podcast network your team every day